Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, a huge break goes the Jets' way, plus some free agent buyer beware and the latest in Trot's Watch. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Whoa, let's go Rangers! I never doubted them. I, for one, never doubted the Rangers' ability to make the Eastern Conference Finals. Definitely didn't pick the Hurricanes to win that series in five games. Either way, it actually happened, Jets fans. Against the odds, the Winnipeg Jets will end up getting a first-round pick, a second-round pick, as well as Morgan Barron for Andrew Cobb, who is set to become an unrestricted free agent in a couple weeks' time. It was a really good haul for Chevy before the Rangers' miracle playoff run happened, and it's now turned into an insane haul that Chevy pulled off. And hey, you know, I don't think blue shirt fans are complaining right now, and, and Cobb's been outstanding for New York as well, but... Even the most optimistic Jet fan never would have guessed that that would be the price coming back Winnipeg's way for Cop. Even if you could get a bidding war involved to get a first, a second, and a pretty decent prospect on top of it all too. It's it's a tremendous, tremendous trade by Kevin Chevalier. Might go down as one of his better ones as Jets GM. And what a clutch condition to put in there too, eh? Like, it might have been a throw-in last second. Hey, yay, make it to the conference final. Sure, well, we'll make it a first. Who cares at that point? But, hey, that's what smart GMs do. You know, little things, these little margins here and there that can help out your team in any way. And now because that condition was thrown in there, the Jets move up roughly 30 slots in the draft because of it. And, and so while we still await a coaching move in Winnipeg that maybe the first shoe to drop before anything else happens, no doubt that it was a great week for the Winnipeg Jets. With the Rangers making it to the Final Four, now they're just three wins away from a freaking Cup Final appearance. But it's funny because now the question is, what happens now? <laughs> what do the Jets do with their shiny new first-round pick? And it's funny because I don't think anyone anticipated this happening so no one really knows what to do now. <laughs> and now that it's here, we, we got to figure out 
what the plan is moving forward for the Winnipeg Jets with, you know, either the, the 29th, the 30th, the 31st, or the 32nd pick in this upcoming draft. I mean, the easiest and most boring, but also probably most likely scenario would be the Jets make the pick with that first rounder, the second first round pick, and away we go. That, that's usually the, the boring answer and, and the less fun one, but it's probably the most realistic option that we see from the Jets. But I'm going to make a prediction that we do not see the Winnipeg Jets pick a second prospect in the first round this year. In fact, I think we see the Jets make a trade involving that specific pick. At the very least, one of their first rounders, but I think the one at the end of the second is is the one that I anticipate being moved in a potential trade here. They could certainly move up or down in the draft with that first rounder, especially being at the end of the first round. I'd personally prefer moving back and, and picking up a few more lottery tickets and a below average draft. You can pick up a couple of forwards with that, but I don't really see that happening either moving up or down in the draft with that pick. For me, there's really two options when I look at it. The first being that pick is traded for immediate help, whether it be a middle six forward or part of a package for a high-end defenseman. That's certainly an option and a pretty viable one for Chevy and company to go with. But the other path that I think we see Winnipeg investigate this offseason is using that pick as a sweetener to move on from Nate Schmidt. And the reason I say that is not that Schmidt is a bad defenseman, because he's not. But if you take a look at the outlook for this team this season, moving forward in the future, but even specifically just this offseason, there's not really a path forward for Winnipeg to improve their roster without moving a big salary ticket like Nate Schmidt. So taking a look at the Jets cap situation, headed into the offseason here, they've got just over $18 million in cap space. Sounds good. Well, not as much as you might think, because when you take a look at the four RFAs that the Winnipeg Jets have, Dubois, Appleton, Harkins, and Svechnikov, along with Eric Comrie, who's a UFA, but it feels like it's pretty likely that he's going to be back in the fold here. Signing those five players, I've got that earmarked for around $13 million. You give Comrie, Svechnikov, and Harkins somewhere around a million dollars. That would then leave you $10 million between Dubois and Appleton. Let's say, best case scenario, Dubois gets a seven-year, $7.5 million deal. And Mason Appleton signs a two-year, $2.5 million deal. So, so right there, 13 mil of that 18 mil is completely gone. And you have a roster of 10 forwards, 6 defensemen, and 2 goalies. That then leaves you roughly $5 million in cap space for either 2 to 3 forwards and a defenseman. Depending on how many players you want to carry on your roster. That's not a lot of space to fill those spots out. But even if the Jets, and and this is probably the likely uh, space for them to go, is if you put Morgan Barron and Cole Perfetti up front, that gets you to 12 forwards. Dylan Sandberg gets you to seven defensemen. You got 12 forwards, 70, two goalies. That gives you $2 million in cap space. You see how quickly that 18 mil dries up? 
And and that's really just to bring the band back together. For, for a team that pretty easily missed the postseason, like the last couple of weeks was dead man walking, right? Like that's that's the scary thing when you look at what the Winnipeg Jets are up against this summer is that we all know there needs to be improvement. And hey, Barry Trotz would go a long way to doing that. And that doesn't count against the salary cap. But, you know, Barry Trotz can also only do so much. Like there needs to be a few other pieces shifted around here to make the Winnipeg Jets at least anywhere near comparable to the Avalanche, to the Lightning, and and, and, and et cetera, et cetera, right? And it just makes it really difficult for the Winnipeg Jets to grab, I'm not even going to say a high end, but like an impact piece. And by impact piece, I mean effective second line forward. You know what I mean? Or a higher end defenseman in the lineup. I'm not not even necessarily superstar level talent, but just somebody that can move the needle for the team. On top of that, if you want to bring Paul Stastny back, hey, he might like it here and all that, but he's not signing for $2 million, right? That's going to cost you at... at an absolute minimum three mil. He might have the case to go three and a half, four mil, even on just a one-year deal. There's really no way the Jets can improve their roster without moving somebody like Nate Schmidt. And when you take a look at the defense, and and again, I actually like Nate Schmidt. I, I think he's a decent player, but the reality is he probably spearheads a dominant third pair on a cup contending team. Right? If you look at the Avalanche right now, I don't know if there's a spot for Nate Schmidt in the top four. And and so on and so on with all these other great teams. It's just not a good allocation of $5.9 million if you're the Winnipeg Jets here. And on top of that too, if you were able to move him out, let's say Vili Hanela steps into his spot. How much are you really missing out on? You know what I mean? Like, is that, is that a massive downgrade? Is it a downgrade at all? I know some people in Jets Nation will say that's actually an upgrade if you give Billy Hainala an extended run of time and, and playing with a solid partner, right? The Jets just have so many good prospects on the blue line right now and a glut of solid defensemen that there really is a bit of a redundancy and, and really not much of a need for Nate Schmidt in this lineup right now. now the tricky part is if, if the Winnipeg Jets are trying to move him... <laughs> He's obviously not going to be a big ticket for a lot of teams out there. And the other tricky part is he has, as we all know, a no-trade clause, which he used at least once to block a trade over here to Winnipeg. That certainly complicates matters, but it doesn't mean it's impossible, right? If you waive your no-trade to go to Winnipeg, you just might waive that no-trade to go anywhere in the NHL. And that's what the Jets are going to hope for here. Because, let's face it, the, the most obvious team to ship off your salary to would be the Arizona Coyotes, the Arizona State Coyotes coming soon to an NHL near you. I, I, I don't know if, if Nate Schmidt would be willing to go there or not. I mean, look, the weather is a lot nicer. Maybe that plays into it, but you're not going to win for the next two, three, four, five seasons. So there's that part of it too. But may, maybe you could convince him to go to Ottawa, for example, a sense team that needs to add more salary, get a little more competitive. Maybe that's a possible destination for him. I don't know. It's not going to be an easy move, but I think it's a move that could be a lot more palatable for a team if you're giving up the 29th, the 30th, the 31st, the 32nd pick 
in the upcoming NHL entry draft. Now, that might sound like a steep price to pay, and, and I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, a first-round pick and Nate Schmidt, and that gets rid of his salary moving forward. I, I don't know if it would necessarily be that steep of a price, but it's really not that far off, unfortunately, if you're looking at some recent comparables. And the most recent one actually happened this past offseason. And it's really intriguing because... Very similar player, similar deal, age, style of play, all that. Because Shane Goss's bear was traded from the Flyers to the Arizona Coyotes for a second and a seventh round pick for future considerations. It really, obviously, just a complete salary cap dump. And they needed to give up a second and a seventh round pick for Shane Goss's bear, who made four and a half million dollars at the time, for two more seasons on that deal. And he outproduced Nate Schmidt as far as point production these past couple of years as well. The scary thing is Nate Schmidt makes 5.9, and that's for three more seasons. So, I don't know what that extra $1.4 million in cap hit and that an extra year tacked onto it costs you. Maybe it is that first-round pick. Maybe it's Nate Schmidt and that first-round pick to a team like Arizona for a third-round pick or a fourth. You know what I mean? Like the Jets move down at the draft, but they're able to get rid of, of Nate Schmidt's salary. That's ultimately the path I, I see this taking here. Because again, and this doesn't even necessarily include if the Jets decide to move on from Mark Shifley and, and what kind of repercussions that could have to the rest of the roster. But if you want to add a potential impact player up front, a, a, a grittier physical defensively sound winger that can chip in or if you want to go big game hunting on the blue line to bring somebody in to play beside a Morrissey or a Pionk if you want to do either of those things not both but just either one of those things the only way it's going to be possible is moving significant salary out for nothing and when you look at this Jets roster you know Brendan Dillon could be a casualty of that I don't think the Jets would have to give up a pick to ship him out, but he doesn't make as much money as Nate Schmidt does. I don't see Blake Wheeler heading out the door anytime soon. That really leaves Nate Schmidt as, as the odd man out in this situation. And I'll tell you what, if you could get rid of that $6 million, we'll call it $6 million cap hit that Nate Schmidt has right now, and you're able to sign Dubois, Appleton, Harkin, Sveshnikov, Comrie, you bring up a bunch of the youngsters, Baron Perfetti, Sandberg, in that situation, you'd have basically $8 million in cap space with a 22-man roster. That gives the Jets a ton, a ton of options. Add forward, add defense, maybe both to improve their roster in a significant way this upcoming season. And, and that's why I think this is going to be an ongoing conversation here is what happens with Nate Schmidt and that contract because if the Jets want to get serious about elevating this roster into the upper echelon of the NHL, it's going to have to come at the cost of somebody that's been a, a pretty big both fan favorite and team favorite inside that locker room. Love the player, but the contract is what might just be holding the Winnipeg Jets back a little bit as they try to get back to that magical spot they were a few seasons ago. 
We'll get to some buyer beware for this upcoming free agent class, as well as the latest in Trot's Watch in just a sec. But before we do that, we'll give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL with an unbelievable offer on the table for you with the final four in the NHL underway. You can bet $5 on any team to win and you get $100 in free bets, win or lose. You could put five bucks on the Oilers, watch them give up a thousand goals to the Avs and you get a hundred bucks coming your way no matter what. Remember as well that DraftKings Same Game Parlays gives you a chance to turn a small bet into a big payday as well. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. That was a shot at the Oilers. I know my buddy Ross Cook listens to the podcast. Great guy. Look, the Oilers are playing a lot better than I definitely gave them credit for coming into the postseason. I think they, while things look dire right now, I think they still have a bit of a shot against the Avalanche. But anytime I can uh, go after Rossi, I'm going to take advantage of that. Thanks for listening, buddy. Uh, But last episode, myself and my brother Tyson went through some of the top free agent targets for the Winnipeg Jets. This offseason, if they're able to open up some cap space and depending on if, you know, a certain centerman is is moved at some point in the next couple of weeks. So you heard names maybe lower on the totem pole like Zach Aston Reese, Nolachari, Max Domi even, maybe some higher up options like Valerie Nishushkin. I mean, the the ultimate wildcard would be Nazem Kadri. Andre Pallad as well. There is a lot of options for the Winnipeg Jets both up front and on the back end, to add to this roster going into next season. While the talent is extremely high, maybe higher than a lot of free agent classes, to be honest, there's also a lot of poison pills out there, in my opinion. Those deals that, it might not be as bad as that Lucic Erickson summer, Andrew Ladd, a little while back, but there's some guys that when I look at, if I'm a fan of that team, I just want to stay far away from, And specifically when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets, maybe some names that either don't make sense stylistically or don't make sense with the direction the team is trying to head in right now. So while we had some fun with some exciting names to look at earlier in the week, we'll cap this week off with a look at some stay away names that Chevy hopefully doesn't entertain once free agency officially kicks off in a little while. And we'll start up front. I've got three names up front that I'm staying away from. And this doesn't include, you know, the Gaudreaux, the Forsbergs, the the Giroux, guys that are going to be priced way out of Winnipeg's uh, cap space and all that. Uh, But the first name, and, and really, I think the scariest one for a lot of teams, if he's looking for a big payday, is Ryan Strom. Now, Ryan Strom has put up some pretty impressive... He's put up some impressive hockey card numbers these past few seasons. And I say hockey card numbers because if you look at his point totals as of late, you'd you'd be pretty impressed with those numbers, right? You might look at that and say, hey, we put that guy in our lineup. Well, we'll take a a 60-point centerman any day of the week. And that's what he's been over these past few seasons with the the Rangers and, and maybe even a little bit higher than that. 
you know, 59 points in 70 games, 49 and 56, 54 and 74 this past season. You know, you're looking at point product or point projection wise, a 65 to 70 point centerman. So why wouldn't you want that guy in your organization at a semi-reasonable cost? And he's just turned 28 as well. Well, the main reason is that he's been riding shotgun with Artemi Panarin those past few seasons. And I think, and I'm not really breaking any ground on this one, but I just don't want to overpay for somebody who's benefited by playing with one of the best offensive players in the NHL these past few years. I don't think whichever team Ryan Strom goes to, that he's going to be playing with somebody like a Panarin and he's going to be putting up 60 points a season. To, to me, he's more, I, I look at him as more like a 40 to 50 point guy. A third line center would be a great spot for him on a good team. But it sounds like he's looking for five to six, maybe six and a half million dollars per season. I'm just steering way, way clear of that. I know the Jets need to improve down the middle, even if Shafley's here and it's Shafley, Dubois, and, and you want a center to challenge Adam Lowry for that, that third-line spot. To me, though, Ryan Strom's not the guy I'm looking for, and at the amount of money he's likely to garner, especially after a deep playoff run, that's somebody that I want the Jets to stay far, far away from. Two wingers now that we'll look at up front before we move to the back end. And another one of these guys is playing right now. And that's Andre Burakovsky of the Colorado Avalanche. And while I love the idea of Valerie Nishushkin coming over to Winnipeg to play somewhere in the top six for the Jets, going after a guy like Burakovsky scares me a lot because A, not defensively sound the same way that Nishushkin is. He kind of... He kind of fits the mold of a lot of Winnipeg Jets forwards, doesn't he? Somebody that's got some skill but doesn't necessarily have a high level of effort inside his own zone. Which is fine, but if you have too many of those guys, it becomes a bit of a problem. But the other thing is I do wonder how much, maybe similar to Ryan Strom, how much of Burakovsky's numbers have been elevated a little bit because of playing with a team as, as high octane as the Colorado Avalanche are. And so when you take a look at his numbers, he's had some good seasons, but you're also dealing with some injury concerns as well with him, which, you know, again, is going to be an issue if you're paying somebody for four or five, maybe even six years. But 61 points this past season. The previous two were better, you know, point projection-wise, 45 points in 58 and 53 games. So, you know, closer to a, you know, 70-point pace in, in those two seasons. I'm just not so sure he's going to reach those marks with whatever team he does end up signing with there. And while you can say, well, doesn't the same apply to Nachushkin with his offensive numbers? Yeah, that, that's totally fair. But at least with him, you can fall back on a guy that drives play as a winger and is extremely defensively sound. Those two aspects don't apply to Burakovsky's game. So for a winger... I just don't think he necessarily fits the mold of what the Winnipeg Jets are trying to bring in. To me, if, if Palat and Burakovsky are, you know, roughly worth the same amount of money, even though Burakovsky's got a few years younger than Andre Palat, I'm, I'm pulling the Palat deal 10 times out of 10, Monday through Friday, no doubt about that. The final guy is not in the playoffs right now, surprisingly, at that. But the final forward that I would stay away from if I'm the Winnipeg Jets would be Riley Smith. 
similar reasons to Burakovsky. I, I guess the main thing is just that, you know what, I, I feel like if the Jets are going to make a significant ad inside their top nine, it, it's going to be somebody that has a bit of size, plays a little bit nasty, but can still contribute offensively. And, and Smith can still contribute offensively at this point in his career. But you're dealing with injury concerns. You're dealing with a guy on the wrong side of 30. And I don't know if if what Smith brings to the table is what the Winnipeg Jets are looking for right now. I, I just I would be much more open to giving, again, a guy like Andre Palat, who is, I think, 31. I'd be more open to giving him some money than I would Riley Smith on, on a potentially similar deal. Just, I, again, like Burakovsky, don't. Like the player, don't love the fit here in Winnipeg. So those would be the three forwards that I would hope that Kevin Chevaldeoff steers clear from. On the blue line now, I've got a bunch of names, but really we can just package them all under one umbrella. And I would like the Jets to stay away from any defenseman on the open market not named Chris Letang. That's it. If her last name's not Letang... Please stay away from that. There, there's no need for it. And, and the reason is, you know, it's kind of why we, we touched on the Nate Schmidt situation for the first half of this episode. And that's just that the Winnipeg Jets, as it is right now, have too many solid defensemen. It's not a bad problem to have. <laughs> but when you're trying to reach the top five of the NHL, top ten of the NHL, you, you need to shoot a little bit higher than that. And so right now in Winnipeg, obviously, there's a logjam where highly touted prospects can't find a path to consistent playing time because there's some solid NHL veterans that are ahead of them right now. And I just don't see the logic in bringing in another one of those guys to just further exacerbate this issue, even if you moved on from, say, both, you know, Schmidt, Dylan DeMello, Brandon Dillon, right? You move on from two of those guys bringing in somebody else to fill in that spot just kind of puts you back to square one. For me, when I'm looking at defensemen to acquire this offseason, whether it's free agency or trade, I'm shooting for the moon or I'm betting on youth. It's one or the other. I I just don't think it's in the Winnipeg Jets' best interest to pick up another good defenseman, as, as weird as that might sound. Like, Josh Manson's been great for Colorado so far this postseason. He'd be good here in Winnipeg, but... Are the Jets a better team, say, shipping off Nate Schmidt and, and bringing in Josh Manson at a similar price point? I, I don't think enough to move the needle all that much. Same goes with a guy like John Klingberg, who, who wants even more money than that. Uh, that That's somebody that I, whether or not someone else has brought in or anything, I, I stay clear away from a guy like John Klingberg. But even some of the lower options, uh, you know, Colin Miller, Calvin DeHaan. Maybe even a guy like PK Subban. I don't know. I, I just don't think. I just don't think that's the kind of guy the Winnipeg Jets should be targeting right now. I I'm okay with giving a little bit of extra money to somebody like Chris Letang, who can be a top pair defenseman. I'm okay with going after a guy like Chikrin, for example, who who might be a top pair defenseman sooner than later, as opposed to. Trying to hit a single. I'm hitting a home run or I'm striking out, essentially. It's what I'm saying here. As opposed to just getting on base. And if if you can't get a Latang or, or any one of those guys, see what you have in Hainala. See what you have in Sandberg. Like, go that route. The, the youth has paid off for a lot of teams right now in this. I mean, look, Keandre Miller is playing 
tw- almost 25 minutes a night for the Rangers. Braden Schneider is playing 20 minutes for them on the back end as well right now. I mean, Colorado has got a ton of youngsters up and down their lineup. Owen Byram's moved into a top four role with Sam Gerrard out. So it's just, it's it's all or nothing for me, right? Like if, if you can get somebody that moves the needle in a significant way, you go out and do it, whatever the cost is, I, I don't really care all that much. But if that's not on the table, give me Hanela and Sandberg in the Jets' top six overpaying a guy like Josh Manson $5 million a year. And that's why I stay away from any defenseman in free agency that's not named Chris Letang. Although the Jets will have to get a seventh defenseman, that, that's kind of a mood point. But anybody that makes over $2 million, unless his name is Letang, I want to stay clear of that guy. But let me know what you think if there's any free agents that are out there that we mentioned in either one of our episodes this week that you either like or you want to stay 10 feet away from at all times. Let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Wiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Now, we'll wrap things up for the week quickly here and head into the weekend with the latest news on Trot's Watch here in Winnipeg because right before this was recorded, Elliot Friedman released his latest 32 Thoughts blog and he had in it a tiny little blurb about the coaching searches in the NHL, which includes Barry Trotz, obviously, right now. And as I stall for time pulling this up in my window here, I'm sure you didn't notice that, Elliot Friedman writes this. Barry Trotz has informed interested teams he won't rush, making sure his next stop is best for him and his family. Difficult to predict a timeline. No real juicy tidbits there. But this is where it gets interesting. I do believe Winnipeg, says Friedman, I do believe Winnipeg is very, very serious about Trotz to the point I'm not convinced they've done detailed interviews with anybody else. That is a sexy sentence right there. That, the, yeah, that, that get, that'll get you going into a weekend right there. That's probably the most promising, optimistic thing I think we've heard about the Trotz Winnipeg connection since the news came out that he was going to interview with Winnipeg first before any other team stepped to the plate. What's also interesting with that little piece there is I'm not saying that it, you know, negates some of the reports we've heard in Winnipeg over the past little bit about Scott Arneal, but it's interesting that Freeman believes Winnipeg hasn't done a detailed interview with anybody else yet. We've heard reports from from The Athletic and and a few other sources that Scott Arneal is kind of, you know, already one foot in the door to be on the Jets coaching staff next season. So there's a a tiny bit of conflict there, but maybe it's written in the stars here that that Barry Trotz is just about done and a a contract is coming soon in Winnipeg and Scott Arneal is going to be one of the assistant coaches on his staff, which he was, by the way, in Washington when they won a Stanley Cup together. So there is some history between the two sides there. Um, that That's realistically best case scenario if you can get both of those guys on the coaching staff here in Winnipeg. But man, is that exciting news. And, and even if this wasn't in 32 thoughts, I would still maintain my stance on this whole situation. And that's that I do believe right now it's between the Winnipeg Jets and the Philadelphia Flyers as to where Barry Trotz signs up, and I still do believe that the Winnipeg Jets are the frontrunners 
to land the Prince of Dolphin to be their next head coach and next member of management as well. And, and nothing I've seen since I made that statement a few weeks ago has, has really changed all that. Uh, and this is just kind of another positive step in the right direction. So it's going a little slower than any of us would have liked. I think that's fair to say. But hopefully we finally get an answer on this sometime in the next week or so. But that is some juicy, juicy stuff there that, as it stands right now, the Jets are pretty much locked in and dialed in on making sure Barry Trotz doesn't coach anywhere else in the NHL next season. So what better way to leave off an episode than right there? And that's what we'll do here. We'll call it a week. And that'll do it as we head into June here with Skates and Plates. We'll get back at it next week with an episode coming out on Tuesday morning as we'll continue our off-season look at the Winnipeg Jets. Any other news and notes that pops up during that time, as well as maybe a brief peek into the NHL Conference Finals matchups as well. Until then, though, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll be back at it on Tuesday. Until then, stay safe and have a great weekend, everybody. Peace.